Well, we're going to read the Bible together just now. We're going to read from 1 Peter chapter 4. John has been looking at 1 Peter over a number of different evenings and mornings, and we're going to uh, finish that off uh, this morning. So 1 Peter chapter 4 from verse 12. We're going to read to the end of the book. If you've got one of the Bibles in the pews, it's page 1,220, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of God, of glory and of God, rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us, what will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. To the elders among you, I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, and one who will share in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, as, and so does my son Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you, 
who are in Christ. Amen. We trust that God will make his word clear to us and bless his word to us today. First Peter, please do open your Bibles with me to First Peter chapter 4, and we're going to step our way through verse 12 through to 5, verse 12 this morning. <clears throat> and as you can see from the songs that we've been singing, from the hymns that we've been singing God's praise to this morning, this, this passage is all about suffering. How do we cope with suffering? How do we deal with suffering? So as we come to it, let us just bow our heads for a moment as we pray to our God to help us this morning as we work our way through this. Father in heaven, we praise you because you are sovereign over us. Father, you are good, you are faithful, your love endures towards us forever. And yet, Father, we find ourselves in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of trial and suffering. We ask that this morning that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, will help us, help us as we study your word, Father, give us confidence in who you are and how you have come here to help us and that one day that you will restore us, strengthen and establish us forever. We pray that your help would be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. As we come to this passage, the question that we have this morning is this, how can we suffer well? How can we suffer well as Christians? How can I suffer well? How can you suffer well? When cancer comes, what will I do? What will you do? When my company goes into administration, what will we do? When a parent starts to become unwell, what will we do? When suffering and trials of whatever kind come to our house and into our life, how will we respond? And as Christians, our response, our natural, our natural uh, desire should be to see what the Bible has to say to us in this situation. How can I suffer well? And not in the sense of a, of a 10-year-old who falls in the playground and scuffs their hands and keeps telling themselves, I better not cry in front of the boys, better not cry in front of the boys, and then get into the toilets and has a little cry. That's not what we want to do this morning. We want to think, how can we actually properly deal with suffering in a way that is genuine and authentic and not just on the surface? The world tries to tell us that we have to reach for many other options. Whenever suffering starts to come on upon us and starts to get heavy upon us, the world is now trying to say to us that we should end our own life, that it's better for us to end our own life than to suffer. The world tells us that we should pay our way out of it, that if we are suffering, that it's someone else's fault, or that we look for answers in all the wrong places, that we start to look for answers in alcohol, or in work, or in relationships. So this morning, if we are here, and we are going through an extremely difficult time of suffering, a great time of trial, or if you're here this morning, and you're not suffering at present, there's no great difficulty in your life, be sure of this, tomorrow, or next week, or next year, it will come, so this passage is going to be very relevant. So please do remember it. You see, if we are Christians here this morning, Peter has already told us that we are foreigners. We have to live like foreigners in this world. This world isn't our home. So whenever suffering comes upon us, we should respond differently so that people can see our Lord and our Savior in us. So that we can still come to church and sing that God is sovereign over us. 
Your plans are still to prosper. You have not forgotten us. You are with us in the fire and the flood. That We can say that this morning with great confidence. So suffering will come. But Peter tells us to rejoice and to be glad in it. Now, it seems really strange for us here this morning, and the problem is that in our hearts, we expect everything to be great in life because we have God on our side, and whenever things start to go wrong, we blame him or we blame ourselves, but rather Peter says here, do not be surprised right at the start of our passage, verse 12, do not be surprised at the painful trial. Do not be surprised in other versions at the fiery trial. Beloved, dear friends, don't count it to be strange. You're to expect this. The way that I found helpful this week in thinking about this passage, it's like whenever we go to a a theme park, and if you've ever been on a roller coaster ride, it's no surprise whenever you find yourself in the midst of that terror where you think that you're going to die on that roller coaster. It's no surprise to you because you've been able to survey it, you've been able to see all the loop the loops, you've maybe ascended about 200 flights of stairs to get up to that place. You've passed warning signs on the way that have said, danger, watch out. If you have a heart condition, please do not come on this ride. And yet you go up, click, 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 excited, full of anticipation. And right at the top, as you look over, you think to yourself, why did I do this? And then you're plunged into that ride. And at 80 mile an hour, you're going around corners and you're being tossed to and fro and you're going upside down and you're thinking to yourself, when is this all going to end? And you just can't wait for the ride to stop. It's no surprise. And so too for us in the Christian life, Peter says, look, we are going to suffer. So this morning, if you're sitting and you're asking yourself the question, when will my life get better? When will it all be better for me? When will school be better? When will that bully leave me alone? When will I enjoy my work? When will my marriage be back on track? When will my grandchild stop being so rebellious? When will I get married? When will my health improve? When will my pain or grief start to ease? When will the financial pressure get lighter? When will something stop? When will something start? This morning, I don't have an answer for you in that, but the Bible gives us this morning three really helpful things that we can learn from this passage. And they'll come up on the screen for us. The first is this, that Christ is our haven and our hope. Secondly, that elders are here to help us. And thirdly, that heaven will one day be our home. If you're a Christian here this morning, these promises are true for you. Let us step our way through this really quickly. What's the context of this passage, of this letter? The, the church is really struggling, okay? They're, they're under sh- severe pressure outside and inside. Things are starting to break down. People are experiencing suffering. It's really hard for them to be a Christian, and it's going to get worse. And Peter's writing to them to reassure them, to comfort them, and to encourage them. We see it there at the final uh, close of this section in, in, in 5 verse 12. He's writing to encourage so that they would know the gospel and that they would stand firm in it. Our aim this morning in all that we study in Scripture is this, that we can suffer with great rejoicing and blessing and glorifying God. Why? Because he has not left us alone. Christ is our haven 
We see this from chapter 4, verse 14 through to 19. God is with us. He is a haven. He is a place of retreat, a place of sanctuary, a place of shelter. Dear friends, do not be surprised when the painful trial that you're suffering as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. When sufferings arrive at our door, when life gets extremely difficult, when dark times come our way, when a tragedy strikes, when that long, heavy burden doesn't seem to be getting any lighter, why is it that we jump to the conclusion that God isn't on our side? Why is it that we jump to the conclusion that God isn't here to help us? Because that's the wrong conclusion. That's what Peter says here. Don't, don't think that God isn't with you, but he is present. He is in control. He is working all things together for good. He is still the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And the image that he uses here is one of a fiery trial. It's a, a painful trial. It's, it's imagery that he's using and lifting from the book of Proverbs. It's one that is talking about a testing or a refining. But it's all in the Greek. It's all formed in a positive sense. This is a, a time of testing, a time of refining. But it's going to have a positive outcome. There will be something positive that will come out the other side. So Peter is encouraging the church and the individual that whatever happens, whatever difficulty you go through, whatever thing it is that you're facing, whatever it is that is consuming your mind, that is making you anxious and worrying, that you should know that you will come out the other side. Verse, verse 13, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. He has not left you. He will not forsake you. But in the midst of this, you should rejoice. Rejoice, why? Because God is having his way with us, because God is refining us, because God is encouraging us to lean more on him and not on ourselves, that we can rejoice because we are held secure forever. So whenever the world looks at us, so that we are, we are different. Whenever the person in our work says to us, how can you face such and such a time with such a hope, with such a confidence, you can say, because I trust in my heavenly Father. I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that as he died and was rose again, risen again, that we will also rise again with him. That this is our hope. And then he shifts, like, as we go into verse 14, there's a, there's a shift here. But if you're insulted, okay, so suffering, he talks about, first of all, that's suffering that could be death, illness, uh, 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 perhaps a, a, a difficulty financially, then changes, look in verse 14, if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, what's going on here in this little section is that, that the Christian has now been targeted because they bear the name of Christ. So from a general suffering here to a very distinctive suffering, it's being the brunt of a joke in work. It's being the outsider in the football club or rugby club or the hockey club. It's being the strange one in the family whenever you gather together because you're a Christian. It's being the church that gets pushed increasingly to the sidelines and public opinion continues to grow hostile towards us. 
And yet in the midst of this, Peter's response is still this. If you're bearing insult because of Christ, then you are blessed, verse 14. Why? For the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. What Peter is saying is because you have been targeted, because you've been singled out, the people can see Christ in you. And you should be glad because of that. The Spirit of God is upon you. And that is why you're suffering. He steps us through, verse 15. Look, if you suffer because you've murdered someone or a thief or you're a criminal, well, you deserve to suffer for that. But if you are a Christian, verse 16, do not be ashamed. Don't shy away from this. Be who you are. Bear the name of Christ. And be proud of it. Do not be ashamed. What's the conclusion of it all, verse 19? In the midst of all of this, if you've been picked on at work, if you're starting to be persecuted against because you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, if whatever social club you're a part of, if you're being isolated because of Christ, if you're facing these extreme difficulties of suffering, of death, and financial loss, and burden, verse 19, so then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. In other versions, it talks about trusting, entrusting your soul to God. This morning, we got to see that Christ is our haven. That Christ has suffered, so we will suffer in him, but we will be found perfect in the end with him. We will be glorified because we are united to him forever. Christ is our haven. We run to him. We are secure in him. We take shelter in him. He is our hope the one that we can look forward to, the one that one day we will be with forever so we can go forward, so we can cope with this because it's only going to be for a little while. We see that at the end of the passage in chapter 5, verse 10. You have suffered for a little while and then you will be with him in eternal glory, verse 10. See the difference? Short time here on earth eternal glory with God in heaven. Jesus is our haven. Our time's escaping. Christ is our haven. Elders are our helpers this morning. Do you know what it's like whenever we get a job to do and things are struggling and we're getting a tight and then a friend arrives and you get the, the job done in half the time. I know, Pete, you were stripping paper over the last while and I'm sure your dad was along to help you at some point and you, you feel such a burden lifted, don't you, whenever someone comes along to help you? And you get it done in half the time, hopefully. They don't hold you back. And you're able to, to share the load. Well, friends here this morning, in this church, you have been given people to share your load. And who are them people? They are the elders of this church. Christ has given us them so that they can help us. Who are the elders in this church? We have 17 elders that are active in service. And I'm going to read their names. If you have a notebook, or taking notes, please do write some of these men's names down so that you can vote, or vote for them. I was going to say vote. So, you can, so you can pray for them. Don't vote for them. They're not standing in election. So that you can pray for them. The men are this. Kenny Belshaw, Alan Blair, David Cooper, Dan Core, Nigel Gervin, Billy Hara, Clark Kennedy, Bobby McCormick, Leslie McCullough, Lloyd McElwain, Graham Montgomery, Malcolm Qua, Colin Robb, George Robison, Norman Wilkinson, 
John Wright and Nigel McCullough. Church, this morning we have been given these 17 men. 17 men to bless us that are shepherds because we are sheep and we will stray and we need to be fed and we need to be looked after and we need to be protected this morning. And Christ in his grace and in his mercy has given us these men. Men this morning, elders, care for the sheep here in Hill Street. That is your role. Watch over us, feed us, protect us, lead us. It's not an easy role for these men. Hours of prayer, hours of meetings, hours of pastoral visitation, hours of worrying about us and about our organizations, hours of worrying about the spiritual temperature of our congregation, caring for people, the pressure of being able to lead us, to protect us, to care for us, their hearts breaking for the lost, their hearts breaking and the tears that they shed for the community around this place. As a congregation, we must pray for these men. And men, you're told this morning that there are three ways that you can easily fall. So there is a warning for you. Do the job willingly. Don't do it under compulsion, but do it freely. Do the job eagerly, not for financial gain, not for any other type of gain, not driven by greed or selfish interest, but do it for the Lord. And do the job lovingly, not for personal status. Do it because you love the Lord and you want to serve people here. Calvin comments on this passage and he says, in exhorting pastors to their duty, he points out three vices, namely sloth, desire for gain, and the lust for power. Men, watch for these things. Young men, young women, this morning, what are we to do in the midst of the congregation? We're to sit at the elders' feet. We're to sit at old people's feet. We have to learn and pray with them. We have to watch them and listen and be trained up by them. So young men and young women, this morning, that is what we are to do. Humble ourselves under their care. All of us need to know that the elders are here for us. Elders, one day you will receive a mighty crown. A great reward, we are told in this passage, for your service. So keep faithful to the Lord. Finally, heaven is our home. We see this at the close of our passage. Look, the suffering's happening here, and Peter recognizes it. He sees that his, his friends here are suffering, and he says, look, you need help. You need elders. These men are here to protect you. They're here to watch over you. But look, in the midst of this, in the midst of your suffering, we'll get a little bit grumpy, and we'll get a little bit angry and cranky with one another. Don't let that happen. Humble yourselves. Cast your anxieties onto the Lord. Don't, don't bear them. Cast them. An image here is like casting a heavy net, like a fishing net that is weighted, that will float down. Cast that away from yourself. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And know that the enemy is, is prowling around. He's seeking whom he may devour because he knows that whenever we suffer, whenever we're getting a tight, whenever it's difficult for us, that the devil is, is active trying to snatch us away. And he closes, verse 10, for the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. In all that we face, in all that we face today, if we are totally broken, know this, 
that God will restore you. Brother or sister, if you are weak today, He will strengthen you. And brother or sister, if you're ready to pack it all in, He will make you steadfast and firm. So we close by saying this, what a great God we have. If we can leave church this morning with our hearts lifted in the midst of our suffering and whatever it is that we're going to face, and we can say what a great God we have because in the end, He will come and we will be with Him forever in Christ. He will restore us. He will make us strong and steadfast. As I think of different times of suffering in my life, I am so thankful for this truth. So friends today, rejoice in our good God. Rejoice in him and in all of his ways. Glorify him and entrust ourselves to him this day. We do not have to worry. We do not have to be concerned as we trust our God. And if you're here this morning and you don't trust in Jesus, you haven't accepted him as Lord and Savior, you're not following him, these things are not true for you. But God calls you this morning. They can be true for you. These promises can be true. That Christ can be your haven. The elders here can be your helper. And that heaven can one day be your home. Come this morning. Come and trust Christ.